Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and today I have my two favorite elders within the room, just in the room. So <laughs> that is... that is We're the only elders in the room. That's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, yes. Andy. Sorry, David. Yeah. <laughs> but we could also, you could also say we're your least favorite. Well, well that's only if you're not in, in the, the room. room. Yeah. <laughs> so, so who are these elders that are with you this morning? This is uh, John Schubert and Rick Lyon. Yeah. Thanks, guys, for uh, joining me this morning. Glad to be here. So, uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've been going through um, doctrines that our church teaches, uh, looking at baptism, looking at the Lord's Supper looking at biblical eldership, and now today we're looking at uh, the role of women uh, in the church. And this is always a hot topic within the church at large, uh, but we're just going to take the time to to look at it, what, teach what we believe, what we see in Scripture, and uh, hopefully this will uh, be encouraging uh, to you. So uh, to get this started, let's, let's go back to the garden. Um, what was the role of man and woman from the outset of creation? Well, it was God uh, created all things. He created the the earth and all that's in it. He created the animals. Um, but he didn't have a relationship with any of them. He created Adam, uh, unique to all the other creation, uh, to be in relationship with him personally, to walk, the Bible says, they would walk in the in the cool of the evening and, and be in relationship with them. And it says that in Genesis that uh, as he looked around creation, he saw that everything had its equal partner. Um, all the animals had, you know, male and female and so forth. But he looked at the man and he realized that um, something was missing. Uh, he didn't have the equal partner. And so he created Eve out of Adam, and therein is the first indication of uh, a difference in role, that Adam was created first, then Eve out of Adam. God took a rib from Adam and, and made the woman to be a suitable helpmate for him uh, in his role as curator of the garden and all that God had created. So therein we see the, the very first indication that there is uh, although equal value before God, and he was in relationship with both of them, yet there was an, a difference in role in that relationship that, uh, that she was created out of Adam by God and for Adam as a helpmate. So that's the, probably the first thing that we see. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it's important to uh, establish the distinction of roles um, uh, biblically, because, in our opinion, there remains a distinction of roles. There are things that women uh, are supposed to do that men are not, and vice versa. And so those distinctions are based on the biblical order of things. But uh, behind, and, and I think a little more deeply than, than simply the role of women or the, the relationship with man and woman that God had, is there... They were created for the glory of God, obviously. All of creation was 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 designed to bring glory to God. And so it's important that if we're going to glorify God as individuals or as a church, we need to reflect the purpose of our creation. We need to 
embrace the roles that God has expected man and woman to follow, um, that is the best way to glorify God, is to fulfill the purpose for which we were created. Mm. Um, and it, this falls right in line with the topic of the day, you know, this day, the role of women in the church. How is the role of women in the church most glorifying to God versus the role of men in the church? They're, they are distinct, and we need to know what they are. Yeah. So uh, from creation, uh, we see Genesis 1 and 2, everything's going well, right? And then Genesis 3 happens. How does, how does the fall of mankind, how does, how is the roles affected by sin? Well, in going to the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 2 is looking back at this creation story that we're talking mm-hmm. about with Adam and Eve. Um, and it says in verse in chapter 2 of 1 Timothy in verse 13, For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. And obviously we know that Adam became a transgressor. And because of that sin, of his sin, he became uh, the, the beginning of sin for all mankind. All mankind has fallen um, to sin ever ever since Adam and Eve. But the interesting thing is we, we look at the this unique role that God created them. God was or Adam was created for God and Eve was created for Adam. Not that she was less important to God, but there was an there was an order that God established to point to submission to the King of Kings, the God of the universe, the one who created all things. And when Eve was deceived. She saw what she was not supposed to do. She decided it was that what she wanted to do. And she usurped the authority of her husband to gain something that she wanted. And Adam fell prey to that same deception and gave in to sin as well. And so what's interesting is um, she usurped her husband's authority and fell into sin and he usurped God's authority. Adam, and hmm. in turn, tried to tried at least to usurp God's authority and say, "I can be God of my life. Hmm. I can be in control." God's trying to hold something from us, and the rest of humanity has fallen into sin. And man, you know, man, uh, you know this this particular text that you read um, from First Timothy two, Rick, you know, has been used by feminists to to prove or to try to prove the the problem with Pauline doctrine and theology concerning women um, he's he's he sounds Paul sounds there pretty uh, anti-female right. when he says it was Eve's fault you know if it wouldn't for Eve she but, was deceived he wasn't yeah 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 so that that's been a, a point of contention for a long time but if you think about the 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 creation story up through the third chapter of Genesis, you discover that not only does Eve, not only is she deceived uh, and tries to usurp the power or authority of her husband, um, but Adam was negligent in leading his wife. Right. Where was Adam Yeah. when Eve was deceived? He had a role to guide her. Yeah, to protect her, her. To protect her. And he didn't. No. In fact, he succumbed to her leadership. He encouraged her leadership. Well, what do you think, honey? 
It looks good. You know, he was a, a, a massive wimp in the yeah. garden on that day. Um, and, and his first sin wasn't the, the bite of the fruit. <laughs> his first sin was allowing his, his wife to do it and not protecting her from it. So both are sinners. Yeah. Both fell equally. Right. Um, even though Paul's uh, comments here in First Timothy stand, and we'll get to that in a minute, why did he say what he said? He was saying that to make his point regarding the women's role in the church. We'll get there in a minute. But the fact of the matter is, Paul didn't think that Adam was innocent. No. He, he spent a lot of Romans proving that Adam wasn't yeah. innocent. And so uh, it's important that our listeners hear that. Yeah. Well, like he said, in, in Romans, uh, Paul indicates, in Adam all have fallen. Yeah. He, he's the father of all yeah. uh, sin in humanity. Yeah, yeah. That's on Adam. Yes, exactly. So I just want, I think that's important to, you know, get clear. Yeah, yeah. Paul, Paul's not a woman hater. You know, Rick, we, before we started this podcast, you, you said that, you know, when we talk about the role of women in the church, a lot of flack comes as, as like, Scripture is, is against women. But you made this comment that actually Scripture is overwhelmingly affirmative towards women. So how, how has God used women throughout uh, the Old Testament and New Testament? Yeah, that that's the amazing thing. It, it, you you listen to our culture, and especially as the as the culture looks at Christianity, uh, especially in regards to our our feminist um, viewpoint in our society, looks at Christianity and says, "Oh man, they they just want to um, keep women barefoot and pregnant and mm-hmm. and s- submitting, submitting, submitting all mm-hmm. the time, um, and <laughs> under under the control and under the thumb of these." you know, power hungry men, you know, who just get everything they want and women just have to sit back and, and let that happen. But that is not the pattern that you see in scripture at all related to women. The Bible has from the very old, (laughs) oldest passages in the old Testament through the new Testament and on into eternity, um, have been nothing but really affirming Mm. to the value uh, of women. Just a couple, um, things that I thought of, like, just culturally speaking, in in Jesus' day, um, and Paul's day, who was writing that passage in in First uh, Timothy, Jewish women um, were not really held in in high regard or high esteem. Um, they were barred from attending the synagogue. Um, they weren't encouraged to learn. I'm I'm talking culturally now, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, most rabbis refused to even teach women. Um, they would teach the men, come and learn, guys. Uh, but women were kind of kept out of that. Um, and in fact, one uh, one rabbi, um, in a quote uh, by a historian, said some, uh, he likened it to throwing pigs to, or pearls to pigs. Hmm. In other words, to teach women. That's That right. was a, a Jewish cultural view. Right. Um, and Greek women, it was even worse hmm. um, in many ways. They weren't... Um, they lived a very confined life. They weren't allowed into public square or uh, affirmed or l- allowed to speak even in public. And they had to follow kind of behind the, the man if they were allowed in public at all. They had to be with a man and behind him and, and all those kind of things. And yet the Bible um, 
in God's economy, women were much different. Just some examples from the Old Testament. The Mosaic Law um, was given to both men and women. It wasn't just, okay, guys, here's what you need to know. It was given to both. Both were expected to teach children. Um, the law that God established in the, in the country of Israel um, was to protect both men and women equally. Women had inheritance rights. Hmm. Another most ancient cultures, women had no inheritance mm-hmm. rights, um, and yet they did in the Jewish community. Um, both participated in the in the observance of feasts of the people of Israel. The Nazarite vow, probably the most important vow for the Jewish person, was open to men and women mm-hmm. um, to partake in. Um, and God didn't over and over again didn't hesitate to deal directly uh, with women. Um, just all of these things point to the fact that the women had tremendously high value um, in his economy. And yet, despite that value that God placed on them, there is a distinction in role that you see in Scripture. So while God is affirming the value of women in the Old Testament, at no time um, were women ever kings in Israel or Judah. Um, no women are ever mentioned as being priests. No women uh, wrote any of the scripture. Um, and and there's no ongoing prophetic office that were held by any woman. There were some women in the Old Testament referred to as prophetesses, um, but they didn't have an ongoing office of speaking for the Lord. They might have declared something in a moment mm-hmm. um, to a person or to a group, but it wasn't a, an established office that they held. Um, in the New Testament, um, nowhere do we see women as pastors, as teachers, as evangelists, or elders. We don't see any New Testament scriptures written by women. Um, there's no recorded sermons or teaching by any woman in the New Testament. Um, the absence of these things points to a distinction, mm-hmm. not a diminishment of value, but a, a distinction in role. Well, there's, there's some things that, I mean, in terms of scripture... Um, the inspiration of Scripture. God did use women in that way. He recorded the Song of Deborah, for example, uh, the prayer of Hannah. You know, those things are in Scripture. Those, I think that's God's way of saying, uh, I have great value for women mm-hmm. in, the, in the context of the plan of salvation. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, they, they, their words and thoughts and prayers were recorded. They mattered. Yeah, they mattered. Mm-hmm. And in fact... You know, you, you look through the, the, the history of salvation in the Old Testament and New Testament, women play a prominent role all throughout. Um, Sarah's not a small figure in the Old Testament. Um, Esther. And, yeah, Esther and, and you know, uh, Bathsheba. Uh, she not only played, a, you know, a vixen's role, but she was also in the line of Christ, um, as was... Rahab, and you know all these different women that are, Ruth and- yeah, that they're in the line of Christ. Read read the genealogies; they're there. You know the the prayers of of these Old Testament women, the songs that they sang. You know, and some of them were warriors. They they went to war. Uh, Cicero was killed by jail. The woman <laughs> nailed him to the ground, and she was she was the one who stood up. She was a judge in the Old Testament because no men would do it. So the, the women are prominent throughout Scripture, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, which we're thankful for. 
right? Yeah. yeah. We it it gives us some defense to the to the accusation yeah. that the the God we serve doesn't care about women, mm-hmm. or the men who wrote the Bible didn't care about women. Yeah. Actually, it's the opposite. Well, we record we record the thoughts of Mary and Elizabeth. Yeah. You know when when Christ was coming onto the scene, mm-hmm. um, we see Jesus meeting the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman in John. Four. And who and who announced the resurrection of Christ? Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't a man. Yeah. Yeah. It was a woman. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the first woman that Jesus went to, first person that Jesus went to after his resurrection was a woman. Yeah. And so there's there's a great place for women. I think we should have them in the church. I think so. I think we should have women in the church. Probably try that out and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> For those who may be listening outside of Sun Valley Church, we do actually have women in our church. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now getting into the, the role of women within the church, what is their role? Uh, what's their role in the church? What's their role in the home? What's their role in society? Well, you, you, there's, there's a couple aspects. Of what's the role in the church? So I think of specifically what is their role in the corporate gathering mm-hmm. of the body of Christ uh, being one aspect. And that's one of the things that First Timothy 2 uh, talks about. And I'll just... Um, uh, read part of this. He says, um, I desire that in every place that men should pray, lifting up hands without anger and quarreling. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in respectable apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Again, so so they're talking about as a woman comes into the corporate gathering, um, he even addresses how she ought to present herself physically as an outward symbol of an inward holiness that she has. Mm-hmm. And again, culturally speaking, in this day in Ephesus that Paul's writing to Timothy in Ephesus, um, there were women who had great wealth in that society, and it was not uncommon for them to make a great show of themselves hmm. by adorning themselves with all sorts of uh, wealthy looking yeah, stuff. Yeah, they, they would braid jewelry into their hair. Mm-hmm. You know, they would have gold and, and these things that he mentions, pearls, not just on their wrists and fingers, but in their hair. And, you know, making a show of their wealth as they walk into the assembly the, the the idea was paul's like these, these women aren't coming in to make much of god they're coming in to make much of themselves so this isn't saying that women can't wear jewelry or braid their hair in our church that's not the situation in our in our day that's what you're referring to yeah, when you're it, talking about culturally right it 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 is what what paul's addressing here is an is an inward passion to be known by sure. others and to be recognized and sure. adored and, and on the other hand it's 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 not a show of godliness to dress as ugly as you can. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, this is not what Paul is saying. No, part of the heartbeat here is they were coming in in such a way that it was distracting yes. from what they were there to do, which is hear from God, uh, worship Him, pray to Him, gather in His name. Hmm. And so, yeah, you can be, you know, as as these women were an example, you can be over the top, yes. you know, quote unquote, beautiful and ordained or, or uh, ornate, that's not, ornate. That's the word. Yeah. Um, and that can be distracting. We're not going to ordain the women. <laughs> or you could come in, yeah. you know, in, in your ripped up sweats and, yeah. And, and be distracting. Hair, disheveled. 
be distracting yeah. in that way. Right. And I think I think the same could be said of of men. Mm-hmm. You know, we. Sure. Um, so the the point is, when you come into the corporate gathering, you want to help others focus on the Lord yeah. and not on you. And that was part of what what he was addressing there, um, as their physical attire. He's not saying we want ugly women or ugly dressed women, um, but appropriate yeah. for the purpose of helping others focus on the Lord and not on you when yeah. you walk in. Yeah. Um, and then, <laughs> so that, that carries a certain amount of controversy in our day. People, well, they, you know, they're saying they want, you know, ugly women. Well, we've, we've kind of talked about that. But then here's this uh, next verse 11 says, And let the women learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she should remain quiet. Now, again, this is talking in the corporate context, the gathering of the believers that Paul says um, he starts with a command. And it isn't the command. The command he starts with isn't that they should be quiet. The command is actually let them learn. Mm -hmm. That's the first command in that sentence. And the reason I pause on that is because that in itself is an overwhelmingly affirming thing to women. He puts that word in the original language in a command form, not, hey, it'd be, it'd be a good idea or it'd be a fringe benefit if the women learned something. No, he says, let them hmm. learn. The women need to be receiving the word of God taught, hmm. just as the men do. Um, they need to be receiving it taught versus, well, we'll teach the men and, and, uh, and the women have no role in hearing it. Um, there are other passages in First Corinthians that talk about if a woman needs has a question, she should go to her husband and ask him. You know, that's in the context of of if she wants to publicly bring some or if she wants to bring something up that she's thought about, that there's a there's a, a proper role for the husband to help teach his wife. But in the public preaching, um, she's encouraged to be there. Yeah. In fact, she's commanded to be there. Yeah. And commanded to learn. And to learn. So I think that's important. I mean, we're we're talking about some very practical things here. Um, It's not okay, in my opinion, uh, for men or women to miss the teaching of the word, the corporate setting. It's not okay. Uh, They should be in the the corporate setting hearing the preaching of the word, every woman, every man. So there's not a place for... Well, I, I'm tired, or I can't do this, or I can't do that because I've got this, or I've got that. Uh, no, it doesn't matter. You're to, this is a command, like you said, Rick, to be in or under the teaching of the Word. I think that's really important Yeah. for Sun Valley. Yeah. But then he does, he does carry on. He says, okay, so the woman is to learn, um, but how? In what way? Well, it says plainly, quietly, and with all submissiveness. Um, quietly isn't referring necessarily to silence, like she can never say anything uh, or, uh, or that, but she is to um, not in a teaching capacity. Mm-hmm. She isn't to open her mouth to instruct the entirety of the body mm-hmm. um, as, as is, is clearly spoken there. Or ex- exercise authority over man in that regard, in teaching. Right. Right. So we're not in sin by having Mary Stoneman lead our children's ministry. Right. Mm-hmm. She has an authority over any men that are in her 
team, uh, children's ministry team, but not outside the authority of the elders. Right. That's I think that's a key point. Hmm. So Mary's not in sin. Our church is not in sin by having Mary uh, be in that role because she is under the authority of the elders in that role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this is an important place to uh, interject the question some have been asking me about uh, a recent uh, addition to women readers. They, we, every Sunday morning at our church, we have the scriptures read. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, of late, it actually isn't started of late. We we actually did this quite a long time ago, but it, it kind of went out of practice for a while. But now, in the past what six months, we've had a couple female readers uh, read the the the, the text mm-hmm. um, for Sunday morning, and there's been some questions about that. And I think it's important to make a distinction between what we're what we're allowing to occur in the the reading of scripture, allowing a woman to read scripture publicly, the difference between that and teaching the word, there is a massive difference between the two. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference that the elders have settled on. It is not, it is not, uh, um, a move against scripture to have some women in our church read the scriptures to our people. She's not expositing it. She's not teaching it. She's not making any comment on it. She's simply reading the Word of God publicly. We think it's a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful way to demonstrate our esteem of the value of women in the corporate meeting. Um, So this is not a a sin against women being quiet or a sin against women, the, the, the instruction to not teach. They're not... They're not they're not injecting themselves into the service uninvited. They're not teaching anybody in the room. They're simply participating mm-hmm. in the worship service together with the rest of the people there. Does that make sense? What yeah. you're, have, no, I, am I reflecting what the elders have decided, Rick? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and, it, and it is interesting that, that uh, you know, we get those questions, and I, but I think it comes out of the culture sure. that we're in. You know, um, are, are we are now... Are we going liberal? Is the next step gonna, they're going to be a pastor now, or they're going to be an elder? The women, and and no, that that isn't the case because we want to hold to the biblical standard that God sure. has established, that that men should hold that role of leader, guide, protector uh, of the flock, and women, as it says in the next verse, they should receive, uh, they should learn quietly and with all submissiveness. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean less than a man. That's not what submissiveness means. It means to to align yourself under someone mm-hmm. on purpose. Mm-hmm. It, it shows authority. It shows... Um, a, a and, and like you said, it's not just about women. Paul's talking about women here, but everybody is to submit to sort of the teaching of the word. In fact, when Paul starts talking about marriage in Ephesians 5, he begins by saying, submit yourselves to one another. It's not just the role of women to submit, it's the role of man and woman to mm-hmm. submit to one another as they submit to Christ. And so this instruction here in, in 1 Timothy 2, he's speaking about women's role in the church, and so he's not eliminating the necessity of men to submit, and right. women must. He's simply talking about women, so he said includes this. Paul would never say, oh yeah, and men don't have to submit, they don't have to listen to the yeah. word. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, we can do what we want. We just tell the women what to do. We just tell the women to submit. No, that is not what Paul is saying. Yeah. 
But the reason he includes that term here is because it's expected of everybody in worship. Yeah. Everybody should be submitting to the teaching of the word. And that word, that word in, uh, implies not just accepting, but actually being in attendance, submitting to the teaching. When your church is teaching the word, you ought to be there. Yeah. It, it, it's how you submit to it. You, you're there. You're in the room, and which is a great argument for Sunday seminars. Why aren't you there? If you're not there, you're not submitting to the Word. You know, like, well, I'm there on Sunday morning at service. Great, you should be. But the, the elders in our church have deemed Sunday seminars as another venue for the Word to be preached, the Word to be taught, and so the people in our church ought to submit themselves to that. Yeah, yeah. place yeah. themselves under it. And, and yeah. so sitting in the lobby is not an option yeah. if you're going to be obedient to the Word. When there's Scripture being taught in the <clears throat> commons, it's not okay, in my opinion, to just skip it because you're not interested. I, I, I think this may be a hot button in our church right now, but I, I think we ought to go there. It's This is a <laughs> call from God for the body of Christ to submit to the elders' teaching of the Word. That's what's happening yeah. here at Sun Valley Church. We not only teach the Word in our Sunday services, we teach them in our Sunday seminars. Our people should be there. Mm-hmm. And we encourage it. I don't know how else we can encourage it. Mm-hmm. We've been very, uh, I think, straightforward in asking our people to attend these things. Mm-hmm. So if you're out there, uh, Sun Valley Church friend, and you're not attending the teaching of the word when it's offered, I think you ought to pray about that and consider mm-hmm. what you ought to do. Mm-hmm. Well, f- furthermore, you know, this this idea that, that women shouldn't teach corporately, it doesn't preclude in the Bible that, that women are unable to teach in some capacity or, or in some venue. I, we see even examples in Scripture. Timothy was taught by his mother and his grandmother. Mm. They taught him the word of God as a child, um, we see women are commanded to teach children. Uh, in Titus, women are commanded to teach other women. Mm-hmm. Um, Priscilla and Aquila instructed Apollos um, in Acts chapter 18, but in, in a private setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- women have the capability to understand God's word in a rich, meaningful way mm-hmm. and to communicate it. There's just a proper time and place and audience for the rece- receiving of that teaching, yeah. um, I am thankful that my wife is able to understand and teach the scripture, yeah. which she does well to my children. She does well to other yeah. children in our church. Yeah. Um, and it's a great blessing yeah. uh, to me that she's able to do that. And my children have been blessed and my wife has been blessed by the encouragement uh, and teaching of other women who've come alongside her and helped her understand God's word. So, um, Women are capable, uh, but there's a proper time and place. And uh, just so that uh, our audience here on Voice of the Valley doesn't think that we're ignorant to the arguments of uh, women's role in the church, and particularly as it relates to the um, the um, the ability, not the ability, the <laughs> the possibility of women teaching in the church. There are others who disagree with us that are godly people. Mm. 
there's I, one of my best friends who I went through college and seminary with um, believes that it's, and he's a pastor, by the way, down in Vancouver, uh, believes that it's okay for women to teach. He does not believe it's okay for women to be elders, but he thinks it's okay for women to teach in a church mm-hmm. because uh, Paul says here in verse 12, and this is his argument, uh, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over man. Paul was not saying Christ or God is his argument. He says, I, Paul, I think there's a problem in your church, Timothy, and I think there's a problem in the church, Corinth. I don't allow women to teach in your churches. I know you're women. They shouldn't be teaching. That's my friend's argument. And so he actually allows women teachers in his adult Sunday school program. He's had women preach from his pulpit. Hmm. So we're not ignorant to the arguments that are out there. Walter Kaiser has a very similar argument to one I just uh, referred to. Walter Kaiser believes it's it's legitimate for women to teach in the church, and so there's there are godly people who disagree with us. But we're we're talking to you're talking to elders of Sun Valley Church. Our conviction is that that is not the appropriate approach, um, and we find ourselves in a pretty well represented camp. Also, we're not alone on an island in with these things. Yeah. So. Thought that important to say, you know, yeah, just so yeah, people don't think that we're not aware of the absolutely. of the controversy. Yeah, yeah, Rick, you, you talked about this idea of you know uh, Timothy's mom and his grandma were were vital in his spiritual life, and I, I dabbled in Tim Chaley's book Devoted, and it talks about these godly mothers um, and how they played an important impact on, on their children's lives. So he, he talks about John Newton's mom. He talks about Charles Spurgeon's mom and how they, they were actually foundational for their, for their spiritual walk. Um, which is really cool to see that, that God, God uses women in, in such unique ways to, to, uh, not only bring glory to himself, but to encourage, um, people in Christ likeness. Which is cool. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I, uh, in part of a study that I was doing uh, for teaching on on this recently, um, I came across the um, example of Susanna Wesley. Um, hmm. She was the uh, mother of nineteen children, two of which were John and Charles uh, Wesley. Uh, great. We got some work. She she would have done well in our church. <laughs> <laughs> so I just throw the nineteen part out because that's just insane. Amazing. That's just, show, that's just showing off. <laughs> that's just showing off at that point. Um, yet, in talking about her role as a godly guide to her family, mm-hmm. toward a future generation of Christ followers, um, this is one of the quotes that, this is actually a prayer that she recorded um, of her own. She said, Help me, Lord, to remember that religion or my, the practice of my relationship with the Lord um, help me to remember that religion is not to be confined only to the church or closet, nor exercised only in prayer and meditation, but that everywhere I am in your presence, may all things instruct me and afford me an opportunity of exercising some goodness and daily learning for my children and growing toward your likeness. Mm-hmm. So she's saying, Lord, as you instruct me, May I see everyday opportunities to make that instruction known to the future generation. 
So like she talked about, you know, whether I'm at, at church or in the closet doing busy work around the house or yeah. at the market, anywhere I'm at the market, anywhere yeah. I am is an opportunity for me to exercise godliness and to, to train up my children yeah. to exercise godliness. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't think of a more important role uh, hardly yeah. than, than that. I mean, does it get much more important than, than yeah. what Susanna Wesley, you know, was seeking to do uh, with her children? So yeah. uh, women have a, an incredible responsibility to affect the future of the church yeah. um, by, by training up the next generation. And by encouraging one another and coming alongside the, the brothers and sisters in Christ and encouraging them in the Lord, yeah. um, their calling is is tremendously high. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are over time, but I, I want to um, ask this final question: How would you guys encourage the women of Sun Valley towards biblical womanhood? Biblical womanhood. Well, I think that biblical womanhood means that they obey the commands of Scripture to women, right? I mean, can it mean anything else? Mm -hmm. uh, I think they should respect their husbands. I think they should raise their children in a godly fashion in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I think they should support their families. I think they should pray for the, the church and their husbands and their children. You know, the example that, that Rick just gave of Susanna Wesley is a tremendous example. I think they should bear children, and our women are on fire at Sun Valley with that. Um, their husbands have something to do with it. But What's that? Their husbands have something to do with it. Yes. So the, the, this is what women should be doing in our church, and they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm so thankful for them. we got a wonderful crop of young ladies, well, of, of all age ladies in our church. Um, a wonderful balance of mature, you know, believers who are walking with Christ and, and the younger women who are bearing children and glorifying God and supporting their husbands and, and nurturing their, their children and raising them up to love God and follow him wholeheartedly. I think it's wonderful what we're seeing in our church. And, and I, I, I want to, you know, encourage it to continue, to go deeper in your knowledge of Christ, ladies of Sun Valley. Um, continue to look for ways to encourage your husbands and to pray for the church and to, you know, uh, continue to have an influence on your children no matter how old they are. Mm -hmm. um, be an encouragement to other women. You know, Titus 2, uh, are, the older you get, the more influence you should have um, over the things of the, of the Lord in your church and in your family. Mm -hmm. And so older women, are you praying for, coming alongside of, and nurturing uh, the young women in our church are are you being an example of godly womanhood, godly wifehood uh, to the ladies in our church who are learning and growing? So, to answer your question, what what are some biblical encouragement? Do what the Bible says uh, concerning your role in the church and in the family. That would be my answer. Yeah, and I I, I would agree with all those things, and and maybe add what's the motivation behind those acts of service that you just, all those things you just mentioned, mm -hmm. I think women, and, and it isn't just for women, men, all of us 
need to constantly be preaching the gospel Mm -hmm. to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We need to understand the gospel, that we are in Christ, that we were in sin, that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but that God has made us alive through Christ, uh, through his death, burial, and resurrection. And in his righteousness, we have new life in Christ. And it's an amazing thing. And the reason I say that is because if we understand the gospel every day in our lives and are overwhelmed by what it is that God has accomplished for us, obeying the commands of Scripture become joy to us. Mm-hmm. They, can be, they become acts of gratitude. And so when the Bible says to me to submit to my authorities or says to a wife to submit to your husband or, um, or those kind of things, they don't become these culturally divisive issues. This is a way I can honor the Lord who has saved me. Mm-hmm. So we can never get past understanding the gospel Mm -hmm. because if we, if we forget the gospel, that it's really about who we are in Christ, then silly arguments can crop up because then it becomes about me and not about what God has done for us. So do all those things that John just mentioned. um, But maybe remember the motivating factor behind those things is, is a life of gratitude and joy because of what God has done for us yeah. in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, church, we hope that this has been encouraging to you. Uh, there's application points for both men and women from this podcast, uh, and I hope that you take those things to heart and apply them. Well, we look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley as we begin a four-part series on the Advent season, which I look forward to. Have a great day, Sun Valley.